Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 27 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and here with me tonight is Andrew McQuiston, co-host of the show. Andrew, we're going to talk NL Central today, and this is the episode that we're going to try to cut down from two hours. We picked the NL Central as the one to cut. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's our division. <laughs> we didn't really plan this out too well. Um, we, we did the NL East last week, and we went ridiculously long. And after that, I was like, okay, we, prob- we both agreed, I should say, that we need to cut this down and try not to go that long. Seems like people don't like two-hour podcasts, but then we decide the NL Central is the one to cut back, the one where we really can probably get lengthy. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do our best. We'll do our best, and because of that, we have a lot to talk about. Just like we did last week, we're gonna try to. We're just gonna dive right in here, and we're talking NL Central today. We're gonna break down. A lot of things about the Central, we may not talk about quite as many players as we did at the East, but we're still going to cover quite a few of them. And we're starting off talking with this. We'll talk about the standings here, and the Brewers are in first place at 40-31. and 31. The Cubs are one game back at 39-32. and 32. The Cardinals are 36-34 and 34 and three and a half games back. The Pirates are 32-39, and 39, eight games back. They're falling out of it over the course of the last couple of weeks. And the Reds... Are thirty-one and thirty-eight, also eight games back. Andrew, I had the Cardinals winning the division as a Cardinal fan, and you had the Cubs winning the division, and you're a Cubs fan. I'm not saying either was a homer pick. I well, maybe mine was kind of, but I don't believe yours was. But each of us had the other team winning the wild card, but neither of us had the Brewers in the playoffs. And once again, here we are. We're getting close to the halfway point, and the Brewers are playing pair better than their expectations yeah they're playing good i still uh i still think the brewers finished third in the divisions really you do huh yeah well we'll, i think we'll get uh, i guess we'll just dive into that now actually but i don't think i'm with you i think i think the cubs and brewers are closer than the cardinals are going to finish to either team so, yeah, could I be. don't know. I mean, I, it's I'm, all it's it's sixty some games in. I mean, however many it is, and I mean, the Cardinals are in third; they're three and a <clears> half out. I mean, it's not like that's yeah. nothing that can be made up in a series. So, I'm not going to change my mind over when there's a hundred games left when it's that close. I mean, just not. Un- understandable. I think I'm a jaded Cardinal fan watching this and just. Getting annoyed with this franchise, getting annoyed with watching them disappoint. But you're right; they're two games over. They could easily go on a run. There was a time in April where the Cubs were what, like two and seven? I may, I don't remember exactly their record, but I remember Cubs fans being very irritated with that first couple weeks. It, it happens. Cardinals yeah. could go on a run. Well, we'll start off talking about the Brewers. And the biggest reason I expected the Brewers to regress was their reigning MVP, Christian Yelich. And I thought he'd regress this year. Not only has he not regressed, he's actually played better this year. As of Monday morning when I was writing these notes, Yelich is hitting 343 with a 444 uh, on-base percentage. And he's slugging 746, which 
right when I saw that, I thought, first, that's ridiculous. And second, there are really good Major League Baseball players who have OPSs around there. So I went to go look, and the two close ones that stuck out to me, two guys whose OPS was just a little higher than Yelich's slug, was Adalberto Mondesi at 755 and Nomar Mazzara at 751. How about that, Andrew? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Mondesi, who's having this amazing year that's absolutely is winning people leagues for where right now for where he's what he's done. And we've talked about Yelich a lot. I really don't have any more words to say, but I had to share that slugging percentage compared to a few OPSs I looked up. Yeah. Yeah, he's been awesome. Uh, probably the leading MVP candidate. I mean, he's been ridiculous. So, yeah, there's really not much to say. He's great. He is great, and he's better than we expected. Man, I don't know what I'd do if I was the Brewers with this whole Keston Hero situation. He was demoted after hitting, I think he played 17 games and had five home runs, a 280 batting average or so. While he was playing for Travis Shaw, who was demoted, or and then he was demoted, and he kept raking. He's got another five bombs in the last ten games in AAA, and he's got a 940 OPS during that stretch. The guy needs to be up playing every day, but Shaw is back, and the Brewers seem to be trying to get him right. And Shaw's been okay since re- returning, but he also hasn't been as good as Keston Hira is today. Some are saying that they should either move Shaw or Moose to first base and put Hira at second, but, you know, Eric Thames, he's playing good ball against right-handed pitching, and they've got Aguilar who, you know, they're kind of platooning those guys, and that seems to be working okay. Thames is actually hitting two fifty eight with an OBP pushing just about three eighty, and he's got 10 home runs, and that's only in 151 at-bats. I don't think that's the right guy to go to the bench, but... Andrew, what do you think the best move is here for the Brewers with this whole situation? I don't know. It's kind of tough. They got a lot of good hitters. Uh, it, I haven't followed it real closely day to day, but I think they've. I don't think they've been playing Shaw too much against lefties. I know he's sitting tonight against the lefty, and I had checked into him the other day, and it seemed like he had been playing like every other day. I don't know. The exact matchups, but I would assume he'd been in there against righties. Uh, right move, I mean, I still do feel like Hura should be up, but I'll admit that at the expense of who, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Maybe you just wait for an injury, and he's the first guy up. I mean, they do have guys that can move around some, so it would probably be pretty easy to get him into the lineup once that occurs. That's a pickle. I mean, if you, I agree, he feels like he should be up, but on the same note with these veterans and these guys have been contributing to the Brewers for the last year or two and in the bigs for the last few years. And here has got service time. You could send him or you can send him down because he can be down there playing every day. They can, and without having to mess with their roster in terms of, having to DFA somebody who they wouldn't want to do or sit one of their stars who's been over the last few years. And, but on that same note, they're 40 and 31, they're game up. They're in a division race early in the season here. And 
every single game counts for right now. It matters. I mean, it matters for everybody, but they they can't afford to not put their best guys out there and actually fall behind here in this in a tight race. Like you said, three and a half games separates the Brewers from the Cardinals. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it helps that Hero's defense isn't very good. Uh, yeah, that doesn't help his case. I I wonder how much worse it is. I know Hero was really having some struggles there, but in terms of when you got Mustakas or Shaw playing second base, I does I I can't say I've watched either of them play second much this year. Just I, I can't imagine that is going too well. I'd be curious to look and see what their defensive metrics are saying in second this year. Okay. Well, are there any other hitters that you want to discuss here? We've talked Grandall a few times. Good call again on that. I think we've discussed Lorenzo Cain recently and his struggles, but do you want to discuss further on either of them or anybody else here? No, not really. Grandall's the top four catcher, so maybe even, you know, three, two, somewhere in there. And, uh, yeah, Kane's been struggling. Could bounce back. Maybe he won't. But, yeah, just not hitting the ball real hard. Nobody else really to cover. I mean, I feel like we pretty much know these guys. I will say, I feel like Moustakis is so underrated. It's, he's just mashing again. Yeah. And I feel like every year he just gets no attention. And then you look up and he has a ton of home runs. Seems to be the case again this year. I didn't get any shares of him, but I remember us talking before the season and both of us really liking the value on him where he was going. And, yep, again, out there delivering 21 home runs in 64 games. I mean, he may be on his way to having a career, the best season of his career here. Okay. hitting Hitting 282. Yeah. And... That's with a 275 BABIP, which his career is 265. But that's just showing that he's not. That's not a real incredibly high luck factor there. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll move on to pitching. And the one guy I don't think we've talked too much about is Brandon Woodruff. And I want to talk to him about him here. He's been quite the find for the Brewers this year. I don't think I even realized how good he had been. But in 14 games started, he has a 3.87 ERA with 96 strikeouts and only 23 walks in 81 innings, leading to an 8-1 and record. And his XFIP sits at 3.53, so he's actually been unlucky compared to performance, which, not by a lot, but that just shows that he's not being lucky here with this. Yeah, I feel like he's one of those guys that if you don't own him and you're not closely following the Brewers, you may have totally missed it. But, yeah, he's pitching great been one of the kind of one of the breakout pitchers this year yeah q that that's me i had i've heard that he was pitching well i remember hearing that in april but i don't think i really had dug into and seen just how well he's pitched and that's a good guy to i think i i think he'd be hard to buy because i think the owners of him realize that he's pitching real well but I did want to do a dynasty him or him game with similar aged pitchers to Woodruff here. And I've got some names here for you, Andrew. And tell me him or him. And we'll start. um, We're going to start with Frankie Montas. Uh, Woodruff. Okay. What about Robbie Ray? 
Ray. Okay. You know me and Ray. Yeah, I know. And what's interesting <laughs> we're, is the we're tight. <laughs> <laughs> the rankings I'm looking at actually have Montas ahead of Ray, and I I figured when I saw this, I'm like, well, that's backwards. For I know I know Andrew wouldn't have that in that order. Yeah, no. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez. Ooh, that's uh, that one's pretty close. I'd probably take Erod, but it's pretty close. I think I'm taking Woodruff there because I I like I've always talked about liking Erod's upside, but seeing what Woodruff's doing right now and just being out of that AL East, I think yeah. I would take him. Yeah, there. that one's that one's coin flip for me. It's close. Yeah, it's close. What about did I say Shane Bieber yet? I don't think I said Bieber. No, I'd take easily take Bieber. Okay. So we're, yeah, I'd have Bieber, Bieber and Ray clearly above them. Uh, Woodruff and Erod kind of in the same ballpark, and then Montas behind them. So that makes them something like a four or five in a dynasty rotation right now. I, I say that there are some prospects that are probably above these guys. Better not be too many, given what we've said before. But we'll move on. And Andrew, I thought I'd circle back to our last podcast where we discussed Hater versus Edwin Diaz and who you'd rather have in the dynasty. And you did post this on the Baseball 365 group, and the majority of people did agree with you. You had Hater and I had Diaz. And of the 70 votes, 53 of them took Hater, and seven, only 17 of them had Edwin Diaz. And I get it, but I think I'm still holding my ground here. I'd, I'd rather have Diaz in a dynasty. Both are studs, and if Hader is closing the next few years, he is the right answer. But I still think the risk of him not being the closer as soon as next season has me going with Diaz. Yeah, we just disagree. It's, yeah, I mean it's you do it, you re, you realize what? Uh, have you seen Edwin Diaz whip this season? I've looked at both of them whenever we did it. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, it's just not as good. I, mean, I nope. don't know what else to say. No, he's still punching out a bunch of guys, and I don't. I know he's walking it. His his walks have been up this year, but um, I definitely uh, I will say that poll went about exactly like I thought it would. I thought yeah. there'd be I thought there'd be some Diaz support, but I thought Hater would win convincingly. So. Yep, and he did. Most people do agree with you on that. Okay. Well, the, prospect-wise, there really isn't much to talk about past Keston um, with the Brewers. He's their only top 100 guy on most lists, the one I was looking at. Bryce Terang was the only one that was even in the hundreds. Uh, I think I saw him in about the 120 range. And that's all for the top 200. Andrew, are you a fan of Terang, or are there any of the deeper names that interest you much with this organization? Uh, Terang's okay. I mean, nothing special, but he's fine. Uh, but yeah, not not really, no. It's kind of Keston and and the rest. Agreed. I, a couple risers who I've seen on ranks lately. Trent Grisham, I what was his old last name? He used to go by a different last name. Clark. Clark? Trent okay. Clark, yeah. Yeah, the artist formerly known as Trent Clark, now Trent Grisham, who I remember seeing him on top hundreds a couple of years ago, and he has not been good 
really the last couple of years, he was a power speed or kind of a more speed than power guy who has kind of flipped. And now he's more of a power than speed guy who he's hitting for more authority, but he's still striking out a lot. And I don't think he'll ever be a top hundred guy, but I, I do see him moving up ranks from being absolutely buried to now into the two hundreds and Mario Feliciano. That's a catcher who's performing well in their lower minors. And I'm not a huge guy for taking catchers that low in the minors. Just not my thing unless I'm seeing something elite. But that's another pop-up guy I've noticed on the list lately. Yeah, Corey Ray is another one that uh, people have always seemed to kind of buy into. He had a big year last year. He's been terrible this year, and now he's hurt. Um, I've traded him a couple different times in the last couple years, and I, just, I feel like he had like people think he has more value than he does. I, I just mm-hmm. I don't think he's I don't think he's that great. I think he's like you know at best early career Curtis Granderson, which I guess you could say is like good, but he just strikes out a lot and there's some power speed there, but I just I just don't know if he'll ever get to it. I don't think he hits enough. I'm with you there. He was a guy who after that good year last year, if it, if I had him still, which I wouldn't have, I was off that train two years ago. But if I did have him, I would have moved him after last offseason. I felt like that was a good selling opportunity for yeah, that guy. Yeah, I, I drafted him in RM3, and I've already traded him. But he had oh, yeah? 20, 27 homers, 37 steals. I mean, some people see that, and they're just like, wow, you know. But uh-huh. yeah, I just, I, just don't, I just don't think he can hit. And he's also... He'll be 25 at the end of the year, at the end of this season. So it's, you know, it's kind of getting up there when you're considered a prospect. Dylan Cousins. Dylan Cousins went, went something like 30-30 or something. I don't remember exactly what. Yeah. Tantalizing prospect if you look at that. But there's just too much swing and miss in Dylan Cousins. And there's too much swing and miss in, oh, shoot, I already, Corey, Corey Ray. I already Corey. forgot his name. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we'll move on to the Cubs now. Andrew, as a fan of the team, how are you feeling about the Cubs right now? Uh, real good. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. I feel like a lot of things are going right for them right now, and getting Kimbrel is just huge. I, I was kind of saying the whole time, like, they've got to get him, they've got to get him. I mean, it's just – when you have a clear need like that, it just – makes all the sense of the world their window is now so glad they got it done and yeah i feel good about them yeah it seems like a lot of arrows are trending up for them in terms of this season it started rough and a lot of things that were really rough early on have gotten right to where it it feels i think the cubs they're the team i feel like are most likely if somebody just ran away with this division that's going to be the cubs and i feel like that's not even close I mean, they've obviously guys have got to stay healthy, but they just have so much talent on that team. And my first question for you is Cubs big three on their offensive bats, Rizzo, Javi Baez, and Chris Bryant. How would you rank those as dynasties? Like if you're in a dynasty startup, how would you rank those three guys? Uh, Baez, Bryant, Rizzo. Okay. That's, I think, the standard. I was just making sure you were on in line with that there, and I think that's how, the way most yeah, people have uh, it. 
Baez is just the youngest and he provides, well, he hasn't much this year, but can provide speed. I guess you just kind of know the other two won't. And, um, yeah, Rizzo's just older. I mean, I love Rizzo, but, you know, age is a factor in Dynasty Leagues. So, yeah, I'd definitely go Baez, Bryant, Rizzo. So I wanted to discuss Baez a little bit here. I crushed him before the season. I just couldn't buy him near the price this year because of his lack of plate discipline. I think I even made a call that Andrew McCutcheon was going to outproduce him this year as my bold prediction. And, well, McCutcheon's gone, so that's obviously not happening, but it wasn't going to happen anyways with the season Baez is having. He's having another really good season, 288 batting average. Still not walking much, a 325 OBP, but I think that's the Carlos Gomez thing, which means as he just makes, he's got such good bat speed, he can get away with that right now. But 17 home runs, 44 runs, 46 RBIs in 68 games. Those are really impressive numbers. Yeah, he's uh, he's a scary dude at the dish. I mean, he's just, like you said, the bat speed's so good. He can get away with some of the things he's not good at. He still chases bad pitches and stuff, but everything else is just so good that he's just able to get away with it. Real athletic. Yeah. I mean, he just he just does a lot of things well. So, so I have two hobby bias questions for you. The first one. If you were drafting tomorrow, rest of the season, like they have those leagues out there right now, that's the do-over leagues that they were doing about three or four weeks ago, where do you think you'd take Javi Baez in a standard redraft league that started tomorrow? Probably in the second round. Okay. Yeah, Which like is about where he was Probably, before. Yeah, probably like... Uh, mid second, early second, maybe mid second. Yeah, somewhere in there. Second round, though. Yeah, I wouldn't feel great taking him in the first, but saying third round at this point is like a slap in the face to him. I feel like so. Second second round is good. Yeah, I would still feel uncomfortable with that pick, but I also can't argue it. I'm not saying yeah, I would take him like he should be in the third round. It's just a pick that would still make me squeamish, just because. I think players like that do, but I get it. I can't argue it. Okay, next question. Baez is two for five in stolen base attempts so far this year, and we're at we're 70 games into the season, so we're getting close to the halfway point. Over under one and a half more seasons in Javi Baez's career where he steals 15 bases in a season. Over. Okay. So you're still believing in that speed. Yeah, I think I think he'll have at least two more of those, yeah. Yeah, I can argue that. It's, again, a small sample, two for five. He, I don't know why he hasn't run as much this year. That's kind yeah, of it's a, just situational stuff, I think. Okay, well, moving on, I do have a Bryant question, and I thought I'd do a Dynasty him or him game with just, I picked four third basemen here, and I wanted to see where kind of Bryant lands for you. Again, these are guys that are around the same age. I'm trying to pick these guys around the same age because I know you don't like to, if I threw Chris Bryan at you against, oh, shoot. Who's an old, is, I can't even think of an old third baseman right now. So that doesn't, that doesn't really factor in here. But Ed, I know, like I know what you're, I know what you're yeah. saying though. Yeah, yeah. I get, I so, get it. Here we go. 
Chris Bryant or Anthony Rendon? Bryant. Okay. Raphael Devers? Bryant. All right, so that's that's pretty strong. Last one, and this is the hard one for me. Jose Ramirez. Uh, probably Ramirez, but they're they're close. And you don't feel good. I mean, how do you? I guess we'll talk about the AL Central later. So no, we. I don't want to dive into Jose Ramirez right now. We'll come back to that another week. Yeah, maybe I think by- it's. I think it's close. Ramirez has got the speed and. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I would slightly prefer him, but yeah, Rendon it's just Rendon's a couple Rendon's a great hitter. I mean, I just he's a couple years older than Bryant and that's just it's not worth it to me to take Rendon when I can just have the extra couple years. Like I I'll just side with I like I always say, you know, if if it's close and and a lot of these guys are close, I'll just I'll side with the guy that's a little bit younger. I think Brian has a little more value to a lot of teams in like a trade and stuff than Rendon. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but just kind of feel that way. Yeah. I don't know. I don't disagree with any of those picks. Okay. You're the Cub fan. Any hitters that you'd like to highlight before we move on to the pitchers? Not really. Uh, Schwarber's been hot with the power lately, but yeah, no, not really. I didn't put anything just, in the show notes on Contreras. Yeah, he's been good. He's been really good, just like he was two years ago, and last year was a disaster. Where do you think the real Contreras is? Closer to what he's been this year in 2016 or 2017, the down year, or, or is it the easy answer, which is somewhere in the middle? <laughs> yeah, that's the cop-out, and that's what I'm, <laughs> that's, that's I'm going to say, too. Yeah, I'm with you. Prob- probably somewhere in the middle. I think he's um, probably closer to the stud year, though, than, than the down year, I guess, if I had to pick. I, I don't that, – that down year to me was just kind of – if I had to say one is the outlier, that would probably be my outlier. I'm not trying to sound like a homer when I say that, but that's just what I believe. No, I agree. I think if you're, like, lean, putting that 50% as the middle between those two ends, I think it's more like 65 70% towards what he is now as compared yeah. to end, but – but he's not – I don't think he's this. Right. Going to be yeah, this no. year and year out either. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So we're in about the same boat there. Yeah. Okay. The Cubs have a strong starting rotation, and I thought I'd play this game too. In terms of redraft, how would you rank the, their, their rotation? That's Kyle Hendricks, John Lester, Darvish, Quintana, Hamels. Man, that's a good – that's a fun rotation. How would you rank – those guys rest of season. Uh, it's tough with Hendricks just because he's hurt. He just went on the IL. What's the injury and again, and how long are they sho- saying he's out? Shoulder. Um, I haven't Ooh. heard. I haven't heard exactly how long he's out, but I did read something that said he didn't think it was serious. Um. So if it's a rest of season thing with him, I'll just do the other four and then I'll kind of insert him. But I would take Hamels one. Um, man, I think I, I, th- I think I'd put Darvish too. As crazy as it sounds, I was hoping I, you were going to say that. Yeah, I think <laughs> I'm I, with I you. Think I would. I I would 
I would have Lester behind Quintana. I, I would I would probably go Hamels, Darvish, Quintana, Lester. But and then I would have Hendricks probably ahead of Darvish if I knew if I like trusted that he was healthy and knew he was okay. Just because I just I trust Hendricks. Like he's just a, a machine. He's not gonna mm-hmm. get you the K's, but he is just as or like Darvish can, you know, but everything else will be better. Like his ratios are always there. He he's just a good pitcher, you know. I trust him. But um yeah, I think Darvish has a little more juice with the K's than the rest of these guys, so yeah, it'd probably tri- be probably be somewhat my order there. It's chasing that upside, and I'm with you on it. Darvish has shown yeah. a lot better over the course of the last few weeks to where I think it's He's the he's is the number two there. If I also own, I also own Quintana, and uh, he's just kind of meh. You know, uh-huh. it's like I, I mean, he's okay, but he doesn't have the upside Darvish does if it, if it's all right. So I'd rather just take, take the shot on that. I think with as far as Darvish versus Quintana goes, I have a Rotomasters two share of Alzale, Albert Alzale, who. Maybe up starting in place of Hendricks this week. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, he's been pretty good lately. I haven't um, dug too deep into what he's doing this year, but I know lately he's been pretty good. Yeah, that's why I grabbed him. I noticed he'd been better, and as much as I don't like prospect pitchers, he's I knew he was close. Yeah. I thought, well, I'm going to grab him now just because I'm paying nothing for him. Yeah. Okay, well... We'll move on to prospect, the rest of the prospects, and the prospect ranks I'm looking back uh, that I'm looking at have two Cubs in the top 100. That'd be Brennan Davis and Nico Horner. Of those two, how are you feeling about them in terms of, for starters, which one do you like over the other? And just why don't you tell me your thoughts overall on them? Uh, Horner's been out for a while. I think I... I would still rather have him than Brennan Davis, but uh, Brennan Davis is the guy in the Cubs system that is kind of shooting up upward. He's just been on fire at at uh, low A. I actually might go see him this week, so kind of excited about that. But yeah, he's he's probably the one Cubs prospect. You know, if if I had to pick one that's just like kind of on the rise based on what they've done this year, it would be him. It's still not a very big sample, so you it could be questioned a little bit, but yeah, he's been awesome so far. Yeah, pretty impressive. I'm looking at his fan graphs page right now. He really controls the strike zone real well. Provides a little bit of home runs and power and speed. Yeah, that's an interesting player. Yeah. Uh, any other prospects you want to cover? You probably know the system. No, not, most. not too much. Most of their uh, most of their talents in the majors. So, hence what I say about Kimbrel and everything with the trying to win. Now it's now's the time. You know, it's just this team is just they're built to win now. So yes, they are. It's and a, kind of the prospect stuff with them. I I feel like there there could be a point in, in a few years where it gets a little ugly if they're farm system isn't built up but you just hope that they do that and hope that they uh win in the meantime you know that's kind of how it is with them right now uh question i didn't put in the notes but 
Do you think the Cubs right now are the like if you're thinking about teams most likely to make the World Series representing the National League? I think me personally, I have the Dodgers one and I have the Cubs number two. Would you have the Cubs two or would you be going with one of those NL East teams? No, yeah, I agree with you. I was, I actually meant to mention that at the top. I, at the top, um, the Dodgers are just so good. Like they're, I, I don't, I don't think the Cubs are better than the Dodgers. No, I, obviously, you hope that they can get get to that point, but I just feel like in a series against the Dodgers, they're going to be the underdog, and you know, you just see what happens. Short series in the playoffs, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. I do think. I do think that they're probably the second best team in the NL. Just, in, just to me, they are, but are, or they at least can be that. But yeah, the Dodgers are clearly one, in my opinion. They just Agreed. have no, they have no weakness, and we'll get to them next show. But they just have no weaknesses, and they have depth on the farm. It's just dumb. But yeah. again, we'll talk that next week. Now we're on to the Cardinals, and they've been quite the roller coaster. They were okay early. I think they slumped a little bit in the first few games, and then they got real high in late April. And at one point, they were 20-10 and 10 and had the best record in the National League. And around that time, they played the Cubs in Wrigley, and that was the weekend where I went up and saw them, saw them play that, let's see, what was that, Sunday? That Saturday. Sunday? Saturday game. I'm losing track. The Cardinals got swept that weekend, and it feels like it's been a mess since. The offense is playing okay, but the starting pitching across the board seems to have taken a real big step back this year. Nicholas and Flaherty, they've taken steps back from the big seasons last year. Wainwright's now on the injured list. Waka has been so bad at times that he's been bumped from the rotation, and they put him back in there just because they had to when Wainwright went down. Alex Reyes was supposed to be up and pitching and he's been terrible in triple a punched a wall now and got <laughs> sent down even down to single a <laughs> it's just been a mess and the pitching staff especially rough yeah Waka's the one Waka just is so weird to me that guy i feel like he was such a stud and then you know back at the, obviously the first year or two of his career and seems like he's gone south and then he still has these moments where he's good and then he's terrible again and he's just all over the place but i think i still think overall they have pretty good pitching they just need it to come together a little bit you i need you to talk me off ledges with this because i'm ready to just take this whole season and throw it in the trash and already ready to play for next year i'm so (laughs) frustrated as a fan i'm i've I went in with mild expectations, like, hey, we could win the division this year. I think we got a shot. And then I, we had to go out and be the best team in the National League there through 30 games. I just started getting my hopes too high. And then I'm with you on Waka. It's just, yeah, but you say that, but they're three and a half games out of first. I mean, it's I not that bad. That's nothing, I, by the way. Like, I think this is nothing. emotional homer. Like, if I was looking from the outside, if this was another team – I'd be telling somebody, dude, chill out, shut up. Your team's 36 and 34 and three games out. But I'll admit, I'm just, I think I'm getting too emotional about this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're they're going to need a, they're going to need 
some guys to step up, but there's still a lot of time, and I wouldn't worry much about it. So we've talked about Flaherty before. He has a 4.28 ERA this year, which is close to a full run worse than last year. My question on him, over under 3.75 ERA at the end of the year. I think it's about right. I would probably take the under, but yeah, I think it, I think it's right around there, considering where it is right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's about right. It's hard to pick one or the other, but again, we're both saying it's probably right there in that ballpark, which means he's been a little unlucky. But even the XFIP, which I remember looking a while back, and it was at like three five, three six. It's up to four now, but he hasn't been as pitching as well lately. But again, it could turn around. He's still striking out guys well, and his walks aren't out of control by any means. Yeah. Um, I didn't prep you with this one either, but Alex Reyes, he's down in AAA right now. He's tr- there. They- I mean, the Cardinals are even saying. Uh, I mean. I think they're even feeling like if he just has a good start or two, they're bringing him up to start, but he's not doing it in AAA. When do you think, we're guessing here, when do you think we see Alex Reyes back up with the big club? Um, Gosh, I would say, I think by the end of July, he's up. In some capacity, I don't really know. I don't really know how they're going to use him. I mean, have they said for sure is he going to start? I he's only going like three, four innings in these these starts in the minors. And man, oh man, like I mentioned this in one other podcast, but the uh, the patience required to deal with this guy is just beyond anything that uh, of every player in in major league baseball and minor league baseball, you may need more patience with this guy than anyone. I just never seen anything like, I feel like we've been waiting forever and ever and ever. And what's funny is I think I said this before too. I still think it'll eventually get there because I do believe in his stuff. I mean, his, he's nasty, but man, it's just, when is it going to happen? You know? In Roto Masters 2, I own Alex Reyes and Brent Honeywell. Yeah. See, and see, Brent Honeywell is different to me. He's, yes. Yeah. He's not, hasn't been in the majors and hasn't been as, as high of a prospect as Reyes. And I've never That's, felt like, I've never felt like we were on the doorstep of a potential ace. I, I don't know. It's just Reyes has just been. Yes, Gosh, I agree I, that I don't know Reyes how much ha- more patience I could even have with him. It's, but you want to have it because you know the potential reward. It's it's just so frustrating. It's the best way I could put it. He could go out there and be Max Scherzer in two years. Hey, yeah, it's possible. Yeah, the ce- the ceiling with Alex Reyes is the best pitcher in baseball. I I the probability of him getting there is probably mm-hmm. gone d- gone down some. But yes. yeah, he he could be absolutely insane it's just i don't know it's like i feel like we've been just waiting forever yep and we'll continue waiting i think uh, post all-star break i agree 
But yeah, he has only been going three or four innings, and I think that's just because he's been that bad. You look at the I haven't looked at the pitch count in those games, but there's a lot of batters getting on base, a lot of walks happening, yeah. a lot of still getting strikeouts. I think I think he's just running that pitch count up too high and yeah, they're just getting him out of there. Well, we'll move from one elite arm not reaching his potential to a fire thrower who I still don't think is quite reaching his potential and that's Jordan Hicks. He's had the closer job all year and so far he's been decent. 14 saves, but I do have to say it's surprising to see a guy throwing 103 miles an hour with a K rate that's only at just over 10 and a, just about 10 and a half. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Hicks overall? Man, I don't know how anybody hits that guy. Just throws so hard and there's so much movement. It's crazy. But, no, yeah, I think he's good. I mean, just don't blink. You won't be able to see the pitch. (laughs) Yet people are getting making contact. I'm not saying that they're making contact at a great rate, but you would think for a guy who has 103 miles an hour with movement, he'd be striking guys out at Edwin Diaz levels. And I don't, it's not, that's not happening, but I guess it's, that's complaining. I think if I was the Detroit Tigers or somebody, I would be telling me to shut up right now. <laughs> yeah. I think he's been pretty good overall. So do you no, think he, no real issue. Do you think he, in the next five years is a top five closer in one of the seasons in the next five years in the next five years? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I think so too. I definitely, I definitely think he has that ceiling. Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to predict something like that. I mean, as far as not only is it a reliever, so you're betting on the the saves, mm-hmm. which they could always just turn him into a super seventh eighth inning guy. But, but yeah, no, I, I, I think if I had to pick, yeah, I probably would say yes. I agree with you there. I think eventually he's going to, he's learning how to pitch still. He's young and I think he's going to keep developing. I do think that's the guy that will keep getting better yeah. and maybe he will be that elite 14 K per nine guy in a few years. If he, ever, if he ever cuts the walks down a little bit, it could just, it could get really good. Yep. But yeah, it's just the walks are a little high still. He's gotten a little better with them this year, but need still needs a little, little more improvement. So let's move on to the lineup. The lineup's been better than the pitching overall, and Ozuna's had a nice bounce back year, but I'm not overly surprised, really. I thought going into last year, I thought he was better than what he showed last year, and I expected improvement. He's been a little better, but he's been pretty solid. But the guy that has really surprised me this year is Paul DeYoung, and I think you said on last episode when we were ranking him next to other shortstops that he's been better than you thought he'd be. Someone else was talking to me when privately, and he was kind of saying the same thing and saying I was giving him a Cardinal fan. He's like, man, I'm sorry. I didn't think DeJong would ever be that this good. And I was like, oh, don't have to apologize to me. I definitely agree. I remember multiple on opportunities in the last couple seasons where somebody was floating him to me in a trade offer, and I'd just basically tell him, tell him man, I'm not interested. I'm just not sold on the guy. I, I wanted <laughs> you mean nothing. they were they were trying to trade you him? Yeah, yeah. Like thinking you liked him because you were a Cardinal fan? Uh, exactly. That's so funny. 
I, I think that was the case. I don't know that for a fact, but they were floating him in in packages and maybe thinking that homerism would come in on with me here. And do you and do you get like do you, do you feel like you get like that? Not often. Very, very rarely. I think Alex Reyes is the only one that I've really been that way with. And I don't even know if I'd call it homerism. It was but I saw him pitch in double A last year. And I watched him look like, I was like, oh my gosh, this looks like the best pitcher on the planet right now. Yeah. Or one of them. And I think that sticks in me still. And I haven't, I, I, but I don't think I really do that with my team. I don't even like consider it. I mean, like I have guys that I like on the Cubs. Like I've always, I've always been a Rizzo guy and I've always been a Hendricks guy. You know, but I have guys I like on every team. Mm-hmm. So exactly. it does. That's it. Doesn't d- differentiate them from anybody else. But yeah, if I get an offer and it's a, I'm not sitting there going, "Oh, it's a Cub. I have to have him." I don't. I, yeah. I don't even. If it's a bad offer, it's a bad offer. I'm not even thinking about that really. Yeah, there's not much that I look at and that swings thing as one way yeah. or another in terms of any organization. There's a couple of those great lineups where, of course, you're thinking, okay, counting stats are going to be better, and I don't yeah, want a Rockets yeah. pitcher, but that's about that's about it. Yeah. So, anyway, back to DeYoung. Here we are two years later, after having like a 28% K rate and a 4% walk rate in 2017. He's improved both of those in a big way. His strikeout rate's all the way down to 18%, and his walk rate's 10 and his home runs, he's got 13 home runs in 65 games. And before the season, he, I remember us talking as, a, I think he was a low-end middle infielder. And here we are, I was looking up the Fantrax scoring system to see where he was. And just amongst middle infielders, he was 14th. And I think amongst shortstops, he was 11th. So he's, moved, he's jumped up there a lot. Yeah. He has. He's been, he's been good. He's cut uh, or he's provided value for uh, anybody who drafted him this year. He's cut the, cut the K's and up the walks. You always like to see that and getting on base at a good clip. Yeah, he's been really good. He's already at almost his uh, wins above replacement for the season that he had last year. So, yeah, just that's been, impressive. Been been really good. I think he homered yesterday. I think they said. They said some crazy stat I heard on MLB Network. He, I think, nine career home runs against the Mets and like eighty at bats or seventy something. They, they're I like he's, he's the Met killer or something. Yeah, yeah. I was watching pretty, quick pitch well. on MLB Network this morning and I heard them talking about that. He crushed yeah. that homer too. That was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's he's coming along. He's he's. It seems like he's still improving. So. All right, I don't want to keep getting this long on Cardinals, so I'm going to try to move this on. And we'll go to Goldschmidt. He is the big star that they brought in this offseason, and he's been okay, not great after having a rough start last year, but he caught fire this year. Again, it was a slow start, not quite like as bad as last year, but he's hitting 262 with 13 home runs and zero stolen bases. So I thought I'd play some over-unders with him for end of the season on Goldschmidt. Over under twenty eight home runs. Uh he's at thirteen. Thirteen. 
I will say over, but I'm with you. Not by much. Yeah, I'm thinking 30 to 32. 32. Uh, if you had me guessing, I'd say 30. Yeah. Over, and the Cardinals are known for, especially during the Tony La Russa era, as a team that didn't run much, over under four stolen bases. He has zero right now. Under. I'm with you, which is weird. But now, that's, I mean, that's like undering, <laughs> undering four. I mean, <laughs> doesn't give you much room for error. Yeah, it's like undering six stolen bases for uh, Rafael Devers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Over under 280 batting average. He hasn't hit below 290 since his rookie season. And he's at 262. Yep. Uh, under. It's close. Do you think it's closer? Yeah, I think it's close, yeah. Like I was thinking se- slightly over. Like high 270s, but it can go either way. <laughs> and I'm thinking 282. So we're both just barely going over yeah. that line. Yeah, it's a good line. Any other hitters you want to touch on here, or do you want to move on to prospects? No, that's. I think we covered it. Okay, prospects. I got two of them. I really want. Yadi, Yadi's the man, by the way. Yadi is the man. I know, I know you know that. Yes, he is. I'm gonna miss him when he's gone. I'm I, really gonna miss him. I love Yadi, and I'm a Cubs fan, so tells you all. <laughs> so, tells you all you need to know about that bias stuff. Yep. Okay. Nolan Gorman was one we discussed a month ago when you saw him, and he was incredible in rookie ball last year, exploding with 11 home runs and 38 games played. Struggled in low A to finish out the season, and he's back there again. And while he's not setting the world on fire, he has improved with the making a little better contact, walking a little more. People were saying that if you invested in Gorman in a startup dynasty or a first-year player draft this year, there would be growing pains, and you need to stick with him. That said, he's still ranked as a top 50 prospect right now. Andrew, do you think that's deserved where he's at? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, there's a lot of intrigue with him. But, yeah, it's, there's going to definitely be growing pains, this, the type of, uh, type of player that he is. Some swing and miss there and stuff. But, yeah, I, I think that he's deserving of – a rank around around 50 or so yeah prospect rankings aren't the end-all be-all either i mean it's nope. just how how he comes along and stuff like that but, but yeah i shot. think that there's i think there's a chance that he eventually becomes like joey gallo i mean he has that type of power maybe not quite gallo power but close and he has the swing and miss that gallo had i mean it's there's similarities at least, you know, and then you just, as long as he can um, get the walks to get to keep the OBP up like Gallo. I mean, I, I see a lot of similarities there. I do too. And the big similarity you just said along that I'm going to add or that you haven't said yet is Gallo had stretches where his value absolutely plummeted. I think in yeah. Rotomasters 2 startup, I know I took him in the tw- 20s in the round. I don't remember exactly which number, but it's because his stock had completely fallen. And 
I think Gorman's a guy who, over the next couple of years, if I see him plummet and I see somebody get down on him, that's a guy who I would try to scoop it in at that point. Yeah. And not try to buy him at the ceiling. Yeah, I agree. He's a big boy. He is a big boy. Seeing him in person, I swear, I was just like, man, this dude is, he's just, he is going to be a beast when he grows into his body. I live near AA Springfield, and I can't wait to see him either next year or the following year. Eric Cross was talking about him, and he said he could see him in the major leagues by the end of next year or early 2020. And I don't know if that's I, – I buy that. He's Eric knows he's got stuff with fan tracks, and maybe he's right, but I think he'll be in I'm, – I'm more looking forward to seeing him in double-A around that time. But we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the other big riser this year is Dylan Carlson. He's in double-A Springfield right now, and in 64 games, he's showing both speed and power with 10 home runs and 11 steals. This is a step below triple-A, which means he isn't hitting – with the juice ball yet, but he's again, controlling the strike zone real well. And his stock is definitely on the rise right now. You have any thoughts on Carlson or keep moving? No, not really. Power speed, decent hitter contributes a little, might contribute or could contribute a little bit across the board. And he's close. He's pretty close. I mean, he's probably not too far off the, uh, off the majors. I have, I have one share of him, So I've been kind of following him. It's been an exciting year for him problem is he's on a t- an organization where they already have so many outfielders and i'm not yeah. saying they're yeah. superstars to jump but right man yeah no i'm with you i guess i shouldn't have said he's close as as like it's not like he's coming up tomorrow or anything like that but yeah i don't he's not real far i feel like he's closer than the other guys were mentioning yeah on this in, or on the cardinals there are three other top 200 guys. John Torres, Tommy Edmond, Elohurus Montero. Any of those guys you a fan of? Not specifically. Torres has been terrible this year. I did pick up Edmond in uh, my 120-team dynasty. Just throw him in a major slot, see what happens. But he's not really, uh, just not really playing yet. That's all. Yeah. And Montero's also had a pretty rough year. That's yeah. another guy who has, I think, stocks down on quite a few of those guys. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the Pirates. And all I think about with this organization right now and the state of this organ of this team is that a year ago they traded away Tyler Glass now and Austin Meadows for Chris Archer. Man, that must sting Pirates fans. Now, now, you know, they've at least been near 500, been kind of in it, but they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10, and they're even falling out of the race. Behind the Marlins, I think this is the second most frustrating team to be a fan of in baseball. Gosh, man, that trade just keeps looking worse. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Archer is just getting obliterated every start. Oh my gosh, that that yeah, that trade is just horrible. We so, all kind of we all kind of know that now, but it's just it. I feel like it's even worse than when we said this two months ago. Yep. So, yep, it feels worse than when we said it. I think two weeks ago. I think yeah, right, brought it right. Up then it yeah. just it's constantly getting stinging. worse. And and Glass now is not even healthy. That's what's <laughs> funny too. Yeah, oh, it's so bad. A year from now, Glasnow could be the best pitcher in baseball. 
Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Meanwhile, Chris Archer's busy getting neck injuries from wa- jerking it around too fast, watching balls get knocked out of the park. Yeah. Okay. Start with the offense here. Josh Bell, and what a year he's having. We've talked about him a lot and even played some him or him games with him on the last podcast. Anything else you want to add with Bell? No. He's been awesome this season. Great season. I I don't even know. I don't uh, know. I never saw it coming. Uh, I know people said that he was possibly changing his swing and but you hear that stuff so much and then mm-hmm. you don't see that and the change doesn't happen like the change in the numbers and i will fully admit I, I never saw this coming so good on him he's had a great year probably um, probably deserves to be starting the all-star game at first base for the NL. i can i can agree with that i remember remember two years ago when yonder alonzo changed his swing all of a sudden looked like the best first baseman in baseball the first couple months, and then he went back to being yeah. average. What yeah. chance do you give Josh Bell of not falling back to the level Yonder did, but just falling back to being an okay first baseman? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. It definitely wouldn't surprise me. I'm not buying Josh Bell now as a MVP-type level candidate, but that said, I don't want to take away from what he's done. No, I mean he is playing. Yeah, he is playing great. I, um, it might just be his year, you know. And, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he felt back to, you know, not what he was before, but well below what he is now. It wouldn't surprise me at all. The crazy part with this year, though, is that hard hit rate. If you look at his previous three seasons in the bigs, it was 33%, 32%, 33%, and then this year it's 50 Yeah. <laughs> so, Great that, year. Yeah, fantastic season. Uh, Colin Moran's uh, caught fire this past month. I know, I've know i noticed that because in the auction league where my team is cursed, um, Andohar was out for the year after I cut J.D. Davis when Andohar returned, and then Andohar went back down. And Moran was the best of all the pitiful third basemen that were available to pick up. And he's caught fire since I picked him up. In the last 30 days, he's hitting 291 with seven home runs. Is Moran breaking out here? Or is this just kind of a hot stretch? Hot stretch. Yeah. I think I'm with you there. It's an impressive run, but yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I think I need to just see it more before I really believe it. What about Brian Reynolds? He's hitting 361 this year with a 416 on base percentage. He came down, came up when Dickerson went down, and he's been so good that the Pirates, who love sending everybody down, haven't even been able to manage to do it yet. He's not a 360 hitter. That's obvious. Babip doesn't tell all, but in this case... I will say that he's not going to hit for a 448 bat a bit over the next few years because no one does. And But he is hitting the ball hard a lot. But if you take 100 points off that bat bit, that puts him as a 260 hitter with not too many home runs. This feels like a sell if you can get anything for him. Yep, agreed. I If I owned Brian Reynolds right now, which I don't, but if I did and someone had interest, bye-bye. Yeah. 
I'm actually in my other dynasty. I haven't told you this, but with I had two hitters come off the DL today. It was um, Roman Quinn and Willie Calhoun, and I cut Quinn. I just had no room for him. And Reynolds is uh, my next guy where I'm like, I got to do something with him. So I put him out there today and said, hit me up with a draft pick trade offer. I'll move him for anybody. I just don't have time or move. I got to move him. So he's going to be the one to go. But he has – it can't take away again for what he's done so far. But, yeah, I don't think this is real. Uh, Any other hitters with the Pirates you want to mention? No, Marte seems like he's been mostly his usual self, and yep. that's pretty much it. Hopefully, our boy Cole Tucker gets another shot at some <laughs> point, but yeah, that's about it. I think Cole Tucker's brought your hatred of the Pirates up about three levels this year. <laughs> that's yeah, just, probably. <laughs> they gave they didn't give him a chance to succeed. No. That's Basically, we've already said that. Okay, well, we'll move on to pitchers. Tyon right now, he's out with an injury, and he's probably going to be gone for another, I think, month or two, isn't he? I haven't looked recently, but, yeah, I think it said something sometime in July, I think, at the earliest, the last I saw, but that was at least a few weeks ago. So, Jordan Lyles, I think he's now on the, on the injured list, and Chris Archer is getting whiplash right now. So I guess when you look at that, I guess it's not too big of a surprise that this team right now is on a, is cold and is on a losing streak. Any of these guys you want to discuss any further? Any pitchers? No, not really. Lyles, I think they were mentioning Lyles might be back this week, but he's just kind of whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. Archer's been Archer's been getting pummeled, so mm-hmm. it's just kind of. Wait and see on him, but not really anybody else. Wow. I'm just now looking at Archer on fan graphs. I didn't do this earlier. His walks are way up compared to normal. Yeah, he's just been terrible. Even his XFIP, which usually he's the guy who his ERA and his XFIP, you see a big difference between. And there's still a difference, but his XFIP's at 4.84 right now. Man. Yeah. Yeah, he's been bad. That's not good. Okay, I uh, thought we'd uh, talk about some prospects, and thought I'd ask you to give me the top three out of the list of Pirates prospects, because they're all names that I could see being in, in on this list. I've got six guys here. Give me the top three. Cabrian Hayes, Lolo Sanchez, Calvin Mitchell, O'Neill Cruz, Mitch Keller, and T-Swag, Travis Swaggerty. I love that name. Nickname. Um, probably Hayes one. Though, man, I like no Lolo two, and I, I tell you, man, I'm, I'm on the Lolo train for sure right mm-hmm. now. But yeah, he would be two and <sighs> three's tough. I, I probably would say Mitch Keller, but. I don't know. I'm just kind of whatever on him, but I'm kind of whatever on the other guys too. So those I'll are my ta- three. I'll take Mitch Keller. Those are my three. I'm with you there. I'm tempted to put Lolo one. I swear he's been so good, and I I love his skill set. Like I really like him a lot. 
I honestly don't know a ton about Cabrian Hayes. I've remember reading about him a few years ago and I've not followed him closely. I'm just now looking at him He's in triple a this year. I think I would take Lolo over him. Just looking at the, I mean, I'm, I'm scouting a box score as I say this, but hmm, I know Lolo's having the more impressive season this year. Yeah. He's definitely huh. having the more impressive season. I mean, he's also in low a Cabrian Hayes is right on the doorstep. So, that's true. There's something to be said for that as well. But playing in Triple A, which has got the juice ball, though he's got three home runs, eight steals. I don't know. That doesn't excite me too much. But again, you're right. He is close. I think. I, but I think yeah. I'm taking Lolo one. Yeah, I could see either way. All right, Andrew. Let's finish up with the Reds here, and what a dumpster fire of a season they've had. They brought some veterans to try to win now, which we both questioned before the year. I remember both of us bagging on him quite, quite them quite a bit, and it hasn't gone well, just like the Mets. Yeah, no, it hasn't. It hasn't gone well. I, I don't know if I would call it a dumpster fire. I mean, they're eight. They're like eight games out of first which isn't great, but, I mean, it's it's also like a hot stretch from not being that far out. I, I don't know if I'd call it that, but, yeah, it, it hasn't been good. I mean, I never expected Cincy to be good, so I guess I'm just not surprised. No, and you're right. They're Maybe not any put – it, put it this way. They're, they're not any worse than what I expected – where I expected them to be at, at this point. They may actually be doing better than I expected them to be, so – I guess that's why I say that. Especially after the first 10 or 15 games when they it, it started out real bad for them. And they yeah. have been, a, I think they've probably been a 500 team since mid-April. So that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Well, want to know what's been bad for Cincinnati? And the, I was, their top hitter right now on fan tracks has been Yasiel Puig, who's only hitting 231 with a 274 OBP. Now, he does have 13 home runs and 9 steals, which is the reason he is at the top of their player Raider on fan tracks. But when a 231 hitter is your top fantasy player, your offense isn't going well. Yeah, no, definitely not. Uh, Good home runs and steals so far, but yeah, he's just a head case. I think in the second half, he will be a problem as they fall further and further out of it said that all along and I continue to feel that way, but he's been okay. I mean, like 13 home runs and nine steals is nothing to sneeze at. No, 274 bat on base percentage. Sure. is though. But yeah. you're right. He's getting, he's kind of like that empty batting at, or not empty, but batting average, but the guy who's, hurting your batting average and on base right now, but he's getting you stats in all the other categories. Yeah. Now, while it feels like every veteran on the Mets and some Reds is a mess right now, especially Joey Votto, geez. One young yeah. player that isn't is Nick Senzel. Senzel stayed healthy so far this year, which is great given last year he was dealing with vertigo. And in his first run here in the bigs, he's doing all right. He's hitting 266, 325 on base percentage. 
six home runs, five steals, and all of that is in 37 games. That's a pretty start, good start for the kid. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like Senzel. I think he's a player. I just feel like he's just good all across the board and young and good hitters park. I like him a lot. The comp that he had coming out of the draft was Alex Bregman. And Bregman, since then, has absolutely blown up his ceiling. Much higher than anybody imagined. But could you kind of see him being in that same mold? Not of what Bregman is now, but what we thought Bregman was going to be, which was kind of a 20 to 25 home run, 15 steal guy. Is that kind of what you think is yeah. Senzel's trajectory? Yeah, something along those lines. 2020 type of guy that can hit. I mean, I always have kind of thought Bregman, Rendon, Senzel. Like, those are the guys I've thought of in a group. And not, I know that Bregman's kind of taken off to another level. I get that. And I don't know if Senzel will ever do that. But to say that he can't is probably doing him a disservice, too. So you never know. I, I like him a lot, though. I wrote down a lot of different hitters that are about his age in dynasty value. And I thought we'd just play a him or him game with him too, with these guys. They're all over the board here in different positions, but they all are young hitters. So Nick Senzel or Andrew Benintendi? Benintendi. I agree. What about... Yeah, I... I... Anybody selling Benintendi, please sell him to me. Uh, <laughs> I know I know some people are like a little down on him, and it's just absurd to me. Agreed. He's a – oh, there you go, yawning. He's a better hitter than he's showing right now, and yeah. he's just – he's good across the board. Yep. What about Ozzie Albies? I'd take Albies. He's younger and – little more track record there, but it's not it's not far off. Okay. Let me move down a bit. Um, what about a guy who hasn't made his big league debut yet? Bo Bichette. Senzel. Okay. Yeah. I, I was have wondering Bichette. where you'd go with I that. Have, I have Bichette in one of my dynasties, and if... I was offered Senzel for him. I would accept it immediately. I think I, I think I agree with you. I, I would take Senzel over Bichette. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I like, I like Bichette. It's just I like Senzel. You know, I like. It's hard not to like all these guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting them up against some big names here. These yeah. Are, oh yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not. I'm definitely not going to toss any softballs and say Nick Senzel or Paul DeYoung. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Paul DeYoung who we just bragged on Yeah, um, Tim Anderson is having a real great year Senzel yeah I'm with you Yeah, okay. I, just think he, I just think he's a better hitter and long term that's what I want two different kind of hitters here but Senzel or Matt Olson Senzel I think we've got him about the same point which that has him as a very valuable hitter I mean, if you're going ahead of Tim Anderson and Matt Olson, that says a lot, even though he went below a few of the others. That Senzel's got some serious value. Yeah. 
Definitely. We've talked Votto. He's too depressing for me to discuss any further. Do you have anything you want to add, or do we want to quickly just move on? I just keep thinking of that video. (laughs) You know what's funny, too, is the other day I had the mix the mix channel on with like uh-huh. the eight the eight little boxes so anybody probably doesn't know what i'm talking about i should explain that mlb extra innings mix channel is how i watch a lot of my baseball like i have i i get it through direct tv i pay for it and it's but it has like a preview channel where it has it's like a mixed channel it has all the games and they're on little little screens and the other day i I just happened to look over at the TV, and on one of the little boxes, I saw him doing that little uppercut. <laughs> and I did—I didn't even know—I didn't even know who it was because it, I was far away, and it was a—it was in the small box, you know. But I was just like, "Oh, that's that's got to be Votto." And then I looked, and it was the Cincy game, and it was Votto. Just—I keep thinking about that when I think of him. If you haven't so seen that yet, please take time and go find that somewhere. Yeah, I think so great. We put it in the show notes on one of the previous podcasts. Just get on YouTube. I'm sure if you search Vado Swing, you'll find it. He's just been he's just been so bad. It's just like you said, it's just depressing. I don't really have too much to add. I mean, it's just Okay. Well, let's father get on to t- pitching. Father Father Time's undefeated, you know. Yes, it is. Sorry, Vado. You had a great career and Maybe you'll stick around for a few more years. You've got a lot of contract left, so I'm guessing you yeah. will. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest breakout pitchers this year has been Luis Castillo. After a disastrous first half last year, he finished strong, and it's carried over this year. He's been pretty awesome so far. Yeah, definitely. He's a stud. Yeah. I think he's a top 20 start starting pitcher in Dynasty at this point, I would say. Would you agree with that? Yeah, probably. I'd have to look at probably look at numbers, but yeah, probably. Rest of season, who do you like best out of these? There are other four starters, and I don't know if that's uh, maybe who do you hate the least? Maybe the real question here. But <laughs> Tanner Rourke, Sonny Gray, Tyler Maley, or Anthony Descalfini? Funny. However, you um, say I would take rest of season i would take sunny gray yeah i agree with that i guess i'll ask who would you have to be the last question on that chad i i don't really want any of the other guys honestly so nobody <laughs> yeah no not really at all 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 i would want those other three guys for rest of season would be if two things one if they were pitching well and two, they had a cushy matchup or a two start week and I needed to pitch somebody, then maybe I would use them. But other than that, I, I don't want them. Just don't. I still kind of like Maley. I like owning him, but I am with you that he, I mean, he gets about a strikeout an inning. He's still doing that, but he is a matchups guy. You don't want to throw him out there every start. Yeah. I, I could see the argument for him over guy like Roark. Roark, I just feel like the minute you use him, he's going to give up 10 earned. I just mm-hmm. don't. I, yeah, I just can't with him. Before the season, we did talk about Rezal Iglesias and that the Reds are awful and he's out there. Teams are desperate for relief pitching right now, and 
or at least some of them are, and I feel like they could get a call for Iglesias, and they need they really need to try to see if they can get that done. I, we were talking about that before the year and how why are is he not a Boston Red Sox? And I still think, man, that would that just seems to make a lot of sense for where they should be dealing him. Yeah, I. Uh, it's really puzzling to me as to why they haven't moved him. You know, obviously, maybe they just haven't had an offer out there that was worth doing it for. But I am fairly confident that when the Reds are good, that Iglesias won't be as good mm-hmm. as he is right now. And when you have a reliever like him and that is the case, you move them every time. And that's what they should be doing with Rysel Iglesias. And I don't I know you're not a big contract guy. I think you even said that last show. So you may not remember that contract that he's on right now. But twenty this year through twenty twenty one, it, it's a three year twenty four million dollar contract. So that guy is only eight million dollars a year next year and the following year. That that should get you something real good back. Yeah, I will say in I have um in both of my twenty team dynasties, I have Robert Stevenson stashed. And I feel like if they moved Iglesias he could be the guy getting saves. I've always kind of I've always kind of liked him. He's always been a prospect and he's pitched good or like, you know, a, a notable prospect. I mean, like he had some pedigree coming up. It's been a little bit a, a little bit of time since then, but he's pitching good in the majors now. His walks are down, which were the problem, you know, the last couple of years. It was just too many walks and stuff and yeah, his. I look at his line, and I don't see why he can't close for them if they move Iglesias. So, Good I'm kind of ho- I'm kind of hoping that's the case. But there's a few things that have to happen there. But I, I could definitely see, like, it won't shock me at all if we're like August 20th and Robert Stevenson's getting saves for the Reds. Not at all. That's a good call. Okay, well, let's I'll move be, on. To- I'll be I'll be happy too. Yeah, I bet you. Like will. I said, I, I got him in both. I just like sitting there hoping it happens, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, Stevenson. I remember him coming up. He was a pedigree guy, but he just walked too many. And yeah, he has been yeah. much better this year. Now that you say that, I'm looking at him. Okay, we'll move on to the prospects. And the Reds do have two young stud hitters on their farm. That'd be Jonathan India, who was their first round pick last year, and Taylor Trammell, who's up to Double A and. Not really hitting great for a great average, but he's walking a ton and stri- stealing bags real easy. Who you got and how close are they between those two? Man, I'm tempted to take India because I really do like India, but I, I think I'm going to take Tremel just That's for the close, though. stolen base upside. But, yeah, I, I like India. I have both of them in that other dynasty league I'm in. I traded for Tremel a couple month or two ago. I talked about that when I traded Wit and I got Indian. Man, it feels close. I don't I don't even know. I think I would take Tremel, but 
I, you could make an argument for either one. Both of yeah. them have re- – those are two exciting guys for the Reds. You know, as depressing it is with Joey Votto and Puig hitting like he is, they've got two nice young hitters coming. Those yeah. guys could be superstars. They both have that potential. Trammell's walking a lot, so that's yeah. good. Yeah, he's walking you know, a whole lot. He's the type of guy that you just want you just want him on base. Yep. And yeah, his OBPs have been good throughout the minors. So that's exciting because that's that's what you want him to do. Just get on base and use his uh use his legs. I'm going to Chattanooga here in about three weeks and I'm gonna get a whole I'm got tickets to go see the Chattanooga lookouts. I think that's the Reds minor league team and they're playing the Mariners double A team. So I hope when that means I'll get to see Tremel here in a couple of weeks. Get nice. my eyes on him firsthand. Nice. Okay. Only other prospect I that the Reds have that's in the top ten of most lists is Hunter Green. That he's got massive upside and feels like this might be actually be the right time to trade for him if your farm system's cooked and you could buy some talent because he's out with Tommy John and. I think some owners, this is about the time. I think I heard Ian Kahn say that, or some some prospect podcast I was listening to was saying a couple months after a guy goes down with Tommy John, it's about the right time to try trading for him. After a guy's been gone for a while and people are just staring at him, taking up a roster spot. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it just all depends on how the owner values him and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I, I probably wouldn't be investing too much in him but i mean he's obviously a guy that should be owned and stuff like that i don't mean it that way it's just when you're trading for a guy that's injured and you know it's just it's going to be a long wait with him i feel like it could it could eventually pay off but as a pitcher that's not only hurt but far away it's it's tough i feel like that the window of what he has to eventually become has to pretty much be an ace, which I guess he could be, but man, I just feel like it's going to be a long wait. As a Brent Honeywell and Alex Reyes dynasty owner in the last few years, I get what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Andrew, we did a lot better there. We didn't actually talk for two hours about five teams. We cut it down. That's much better. Yeah, especially on the division we you would think we would go long on, but yeah. We managed to not get carried away there. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I mean, hopefully you guys enjoyed the two-hour podcast, but we don't really want to get them that long. Our goal is try to make these an hour to an hour and a half and trying to keep it in that range, and we managed to do it this week. So that means this was a much more successful episode in my eyes. Yeah, anybody out there that wants to give us feedback, too, on these, just feel free. Yeah. We're, op- we're open to uh, any ideas anybody has. So That would be on Twitter, at Baseball365, on our Facebook group, Baseball365. Message us directly or just, yeah. Or finally, you could go onto iTunes and leave us some feedback. I haven't checked to see if we've had any feedback in the last week or so, but... We haven't had many comments lately. We'd love to have your feedback if you haven't left it already, positive or negative. Well, give us a five-star review and then put in the comments something. <laughs> How about that? Okay. 
Andrew, any final words on the NL Central as the division? No, I don't think so. I think that's uh, pretty much covers it. I'm not changing my picks yet. Okay, so you still got the Cardinals as putting them in the wild card. We'll see how that goes. That's interesting because you're saying the first place team doesn't make the playoffs, but again, we're talking three and a half games. But I'm changing mine. I'm thinking the Brewers and the Cubs are the playoff teams now. But I may just be an emotional Cardinal fan. (laughs) Okay. Well, do you have any final words before we get out of here? No, not really. Might uh, might go see Wander Franco again this week. So, ooh, I'm not. You know, I was. I know I'd mentioned it to you earlier. I um, the more I've thought about it, I think it just makes way too much sense for them to. Because the the Midwest League uh, All Star Game is tomorrow, the Home Run Derby was tonight. The All Star Game is tomorrow, and then they they have the day off Wednesday, and then Thursday is the day I would go because they're they're on the road in the area by me. And um, I think it makes way too much sense for them to call him up to high A after the All Star Game. I agree. So I have a feeling that I'm going to hear that sometime shortly after. I, I remember reading something about a week ago, maybe maybe a week to two weeks ago, about them. They may do it soon. And I know he's playing in the All-Star game, and I, I could totally just see. I feel like I've seen this before in the minors where they let them play their All-Star game, and then they move them. And, yeah, I, I just could see it. But if not, if he's still there, I may go on Thursday. I plan on probably doing it. So it'd be the Bowling Green, his team against uh, South Bend Cubs, like Brennan Davis and stuff. So last chance to see your boy. Yeah, and yeah. many I don't other know. People's. I don't know if he, I don't know if he's my boy, but he's uh, he's a dude. That's for sure. So I I got an idea for you. Hear me out here. Yeah, take a baseball, get it signed, give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I got probably a lot of people that want that. Yeah, but well, how many people do you share a podcast with? That is true. That is true. <laughs> oh, only one. So only one, and we'll, uh, I don't, nobody else matters. We'll uh, we'll see if he's even there. Like I said, I have a feeling that he may not be. But yeah, it is. Only, it is only a few days away, so maybe we'll, we'll see. Hopefully he is still there so you can see him one last time. But you're right. It's, if not, he probably, I mean, he may already be gone. And if not, he may be your last shot. Yeah. Okay. Well, we appreciate it. We're going to try to get back here within the week and do a NL West podcast. And we're going to talk about how much we hate the Rockies all over. <laughs> Sound good? Yeah, we'll have to block a little extra time out for that. <laughs> all right. We'll take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.